0: You and me We carry memories that we Just can't see Buried deep inside And though we try To leave those moments so So far behind They will soon collide Another time Maybe as the years go by of entertainment, education, some to adjective to be named later. The Holmest army proudly presents Trekwest Five, a conglomerate so podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else they want to talk about. Your hosts for Trekwest Five it's are just Joey and Peter. Cause I Good evening and welcome to Podcast 193. I am Peter.
1: And I am Joey.
0: Okay, welcome back everyone. Brand new year, brand new podcast goals. Brand new Peter. Brand new Peter. I'm a whole new man. <laughs> um, I hope everyone had a nice Christmas. Uh, I uh, I had a nice Christmas on my end, very calm and relaxed and uh, fun. Didn't
1: you get strep throat?
0: Uh, not during Christmas. Oh, okay. Technically, I got it uh, the week of, like, the last week of December, or first see, okay. week of, of... I wasn't
1: quite sure where it fell in there. I knew it was somewhere in Yeah,
0: there. it was there. That's for darn sure. And uh, <laughs> But it's all cleared up now. Uh, it's wondrous what penicillin can do. What is 100... Fantastic age we live in. 120 years <laughs> later, and we're still using penicillin. Um, or however long penicillin has been around for, and it worked. It uh, made the fevers go away. It made the uh, uh, the strep throat uh, all better. Uh, what about your Christmas, Joey? You you had uh, a sort of weird Christmas. You mean my early Christmas? Yes, you know that and. The fact that you had Christmas at your own home. Yeah. I think that's a bigger deal than actually, the, actually, the, the, thanksgiving, the
1: Disneyland. The Thanksgiving at our own home was a bigger deal. Um, oh, really? Okay. Last year we did Christmas Eve and Christmas Day at our house. Oh, okay. But we still went down, the, I think it was the week before that we went down. I see. So you know, we've actually had, I think we've had Christmas Day at our house, I think three years running now
0: oh good 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 we had
1: thanksgiving at our own home which was quite a big deal yes
0: and uh i that was a fantastic thing that uh, i'm sure was not traumatic in any way uh shape or form (laughs) um but uh, we won't get into the disneyland stuff because i think you're gonna you're gonna cover it a little bit later um but uh yeah i I guess that's all we really got to talk about anything new fantastic that you want to share
1: Uh, You know, I I have a story that I wanted to share. It's about my experience in the past couple months with Amazon and their Kindle support department. Oh, okay. It's actually a a good story. It sounds a little rough at the beginning, but overall, my experience with the Kindle support department was pretty good. Uh, So the way way it happened is last year for Christmas, our company gave us Kindle Fire HD 7-inch devices. Used mine throughout the year, worked great, loved it read a lot of books on it, watched some Amazon video stuff on it with my Amazon Prime account. And the week before Christmas, it popped up and said, hey, there's a a new update for your Kindle OS version. Press here to apply it and restart. So I pressed the button and it spun for a little while and then it shut down and it wouldn't turn back on. Black screen. Nothing I did. I went online, searched up user forums, spent about three days, uh, you know, when I got home from work at night on user forums and things like that, looking for how to fix this issue. Finally contacted Kindle support and they said, oh, yeah, that, that's been known to happen sometimes. Some of these, these updates, they don't all the way apply. And then when the device reboots, it's kind of in this weird, broken state. Right. We'll go ahead and ship you a new unit. I said, oh, great. Wow. They, they actually said, you're two days out of warranty. But we can see here that your machine your your device tried to download the update three days ago. <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and, and treat you as though you were still under warranty, we'll ship you a new device. So about a week and a half I had a new device and I opened up the package and it says Well, I had to put the old one in the packaging and ship it back. They yep. paid all the shipping. Yep. It was great. Uh so I said so the new one it said, let it charge for three days before you turn it on. I'm like, okay, I've
0: you know read. three.
1: Days. Yeah, I've never done that before. That seemed a little excessive to me. But I said, okay, sure. So I plugged it in. It was charging for a few days. Then an event happened that I probably should share on the podcast. Uh, I'll get into it a little bit later. But I ended up taking a trip with my parents out of uh-huh. town for yeah. about a week, half a week. When I got back, I, I was like, oh, hey, there's my new Kindle. I turned it on. It had all my books downloaded already. And I started using it, and I used it for about six and a half to seven hours, and then it just went black. And I was like, what? What on earth is going on here? There was no update. The first thing I did was check to see they had already applied the newest update, so I was running the newest Fire OS. It just went dark. So I got on back on with the Kindle support guy on New Year's Eve, or New Year's Day, actually. New Year's Day, I was on Kindle. On with Kindle support. Hey, my, <laughs> my Kindle isn't working. It's this replacement one. They said, oh... Well, we feel really bad about that. We'll go ahead and ship you another new one. I was like, oh, that's great. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, when you get the new one, same same procedure. You put the old one in the box. You return it back to us. Okay, great. So on January 2nd, I got an email from Amazon saying, your package with your Amazon Kindle Fire replacement has left Amazon and is on its way to UPS. This morning, a week later, I'm like, hey, I wonder where that Kindle is. Went in and checked it. Your package has left Amazon and is on its way to UPS. I thought, I don't think it takes a week to get from Amazon to the shipment center. So I called Amazon. I said, hey, what's going on? You know, where, where is this? You know, what's the, the status hasn't changed? They're like, well, let us call UPS. So they put me on hold. Came back a few minutes later, Mr. Smith. We're going to go ahead and send you another new Kindle. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, it's fallen off the truck. They can't find it. It's just gone. <laughs> and she said, "She said, you know what? This time, not only am I going to not do a refurbished Kindle, it's going to be a brand new Kindle. Oh, okay. But I'm going to overnight priority sh- ship it so with Saturday delivery, you'll have it in the morning. Uh, so Which you I, have- I that was great. It was a way above. It. I I wasn't upset. You know, I was just like, hey, I just was curious." but she was so interested in making me happy that she's like you know what? i've gone ahead and done priority shipment and it'll show up saturday morning
0: right um, it'll that, be four kindles in about two months yeah <laughs> oh that is so so bizarre i'm still baffled by the charge it for three days yeah i don't know it was in the packaging weird that came out okay so you might get it tomorrow hopefully yeah Okay. Well, I got sh- I got this thing saying it's left Amazon.
1: I haven't got the thing <laughs> saying it's at UPS yet. <laughs> so was uh... in the middle of all that another event that I should probably talk about at least briefly. Okay. My paternal grandfather, paternal grandmother passed away uh, the Sunday after Christmas. We, we found out on Saturday. My parents called me up and said, hey, grandma's not doing so well. We're not sure what's going to happen. Just be aware. And on Sunday night, got the second call. She's gone. She's passed away. The funeral's on Tuesday, and we're going to go up. And I said, well, you know, if mom's going to be driving up there, I should probably go with her. And they said, yeah, because my my mom has diabetes. She can't drive and and things like that. like, she can drive, but she shouldn't drive by herself for extended periods. My dad said, okay, that sounds good. After we hung up the phone, my dad left Colorado, which is where he works, and went down to St. George, Utah, which is where my mom is living right now, to pick her up because he decided
0: he was going to go to the funeral. I didn't hear that part of it i <laughs> why wouldn't you just go straight to wyoming put us put her on a bus
1: yeah, I don't know what's going on anyway. <laughs> the story gets progressively funnier for me the way my dad behaves, and my dad has always been a guy who you know he he used to tell me growing up he always told me if you're not an if you're not half an hour early you're 15 minutes late okay so show up at least half an hour early for everything you ever set any appointment you ever set um not uh particular lesson that drove home for me i i'm eternally tardy it seems <laughs> we're still working on this <laughs> But, you know, in in the back of my mind, there's always the concept that maybe part of the reason I don't worry about being on time is because it was (laughs) such a big deal for my dad. He would get just – if people weren't 10 minutes early for an appointment, he would fly into a rage about it. My whole childhood growing up. So we talked on Sunday night, and my mom was supposed to get there on Monday no earlier than 5 p.m. because my my wife and kids were all going to be gone. I'd be at work. Mm Mm-hmm. Aaron would be at work. There's just not going to be anybody to to let you in. My dad decides after driving all night from Colorado to St. George, Utah to pick up my mother to get to my house at two in the afternoon. Now, luckily for him and for me, (laughs) because it would have somehow been my fault. (laughs) uh, I got up on Monday morning and the snow was so heavy. They hadn't plowed our streets yet. And I thought, there's no way I can safely get to work this morning. Called up Andy and said, I'm going to work from home today. Yeah. He said, "Okay, that's not a problem." So two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm sitting there working in my in my office, and my phone rings, and my dad says, "Hey, we're pulling into your down to the bottom of the hill. Is the snow clear enough that we can get up the hill?" I just shook my head in chagrin. "Yeah, Dad, go ahead. Come on up the the hill. I'm actually here. I stayed home from work today." Oh, great! So he gets up there. He comes in. You know, I said, "You know, I I go out in the garage to to you know help him bring their things in and things like that." And I said, you know, if you if I had not called in to work from home today, you guys would have sat out there for three to four hours before anybody came home to let you in. Well, I just, you know, I felt like I needed to get on the road, get going. I said, oh, all right, C- crazy man that you are, all right. We go inside the house, and I said, yeah, I'll go ahead and have a seat on the couch. And my dad, I kid you not, no more than his butt touches the couch, but he scoops forward and says, well, you guys ready to go get on our way to Wyoming? might as well get going because that's where my my grandmother lives in in Northern Wyoming or lived in Northern Wyoming, and that's where the funeral was. Yeah. And I mean he, he I, there was not a split second difference between him landing on the couch and him being ready to go out get out the door. Okay, Dad. <laughs> let's go. Let's just go to Wyoming. So we all went and we piled in his truck and drove six and a half, seven hours to Northern Wyoming. And we spent the next two days visiting around with my my different uncles and aunts and, and yeah. a part of my family that I don't know very well. And as I got to hearing some of the stories that my uncles and aunts shared about each other and about their parents, I realized that my relationship with my parents and my relationship with my siblings follows a pattern. The pattern that goes back, as far as I can tell, at least four generations where we just We're all happier if we just cut each other off. It just works out better. (laughs) So I'll say, you know, I know I've shared on the podcast over the years that there are a lot of negative patterns that have been passed down to me and my family. I've always thought, hey, I'm doing pretty good. I'm breaking all these negative patterns. Well, there's at least one that's crept its way in. I didn't even realize it was a pattern. Now that I'm aware of it, maybe I can start to reach out to my uncles or my brothers and sisters so that my kids know their uncles and their aunt the way I don't know mine. Like I, yeah. I knew one of them and two of them I couldn't have picked out of a police lineup as my relatives. Yeah. So it was a very interesting experience for me. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate the, the lady died, but on the other hand, she was 93 years old, pretty crazy. And in a lot of pain all the time. So not the worst thing ever for her to be really released
0: from all that. Yeah. Seems like it easier for her for sure. Um, yeah, okay, good stories. I don't have anything near that. No one died. <laughs> no no one's dead. Uh, but, uh, yeah, strep throat's pretty bad. So, yeah, just wanted to, So again, did you get the kind that makes it, makes,
1: makes it feel like you pulled a muscle in your neck? No. Whenever my wife gets strep throat, she also feels like she's pulled something in her neck. She can't turn her head very well or anything like that. Kind of odd.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, it's all kind of related to, to each other, so... Bodies. What do you yeah. going to do? I don't know. Can't live with him. <laughs> pass, pass the beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's uh, go ahead and jump into uh, ooh some email, or okay. should we do Facebook Find of the Week? Facebook Find of the Week okay. is going to go to Brainy. Uh, he posted something today, I think, um, that was about um, the first man-made leaf. I didn't hear about this. And it it actually does photosynthesis, and it's not it's a it's a biological entity. It's not created from a tree, but it has you know chloroplasts in there that you know it huh. will actually photosynthesize. Is this 3D printed? No, oh. it's not. There's chemicals. Okay, stuff happens to make it. <laughs> okay, I, I don't know. Nice,
1: nice scientific terminology. Yeah. Here,
0: uh yeah, stuff happens. Green stuff. <laughs> anyway, it looks pretty cool. He's they've done some experiments, and uh, you know, a lot of the article was around. Hey, we can probably go to outer space with this. Oh, okay. which I mean, this is literally the first thing, sure that that's ever been done. Well, but uh, it's a huge step. Right? It is. It's and it's the fact that it's man-made. Um, and it lives on its own. I mean, it just needs sunlight and water, and it will, it will do its thing.
1: And eventually, it will consume us all. The,
0: the what the <laughs> what the article didn't get into, and what I was curious about was how, what was the cost to create it? Okay. Um, what's the lifespan? Of it because i mean they were talking like oh yeah we can we you know we can build these onto skyscrapers you know all the way up the side and help to (laughs) cut down on the the co2 i'm like well if this thing's got a, a a life of like a week i mean you're gonna be constantly changing this stuff out like how 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 would this work and it granted you know i'm thinking too far in advance you know it's all Theoretical kinds of stuff, and did none of them ever see
1: the M Night Shyamalan movie, The Happening? The mm. plants are what are killing us.
0: The Happening? No, I haven't even seen oh, that one. That's the one where the trees are the mysterious force killing off humanity. Ah, uh, no, very unique, very interesting, but it's it's all I don't want to say theoretical because the guy did it, but all of the other stuff coming after it, like what we could do with it, is all very speculative. theoretical, spe- speculative. Good word. So, I, I'm I'm super pumped that this guy managed to figure this out. How, can we do it on a large scale? What's the cost going to be uh, associated with that? If if that is, then you know, hey, that would be awesome to to put it in areas where we know there's a high level of CO2, and hopefully we can help cut it down yeah. a little bit. Uh, that's a that's a promising thing. So, Brainy, thank you very much for sharing that. Uh, that was pretty cool. Uh, Let's do top five. Okay. And uh, I'm going to start off with an email from French Stewart. (laughs) Good old French. Yep. First and foremost, welcome back. I would like to begin by clearing up some confusion about the Breaking Bad title. The BR stands for bromine, a reddish-brown liquid that was discovered by Antoine-Jérôme Ballard in 1826 is used to develop uh, and it's used to develop photographs. And What are you laughing at?
1: <laughs> that friend Stewart is emailing us. <laughs> I just... <sighs> Alright, continue on.
0: And the B.A. is for barium. barium right. Discovered in 1808 by Sir Humphrey Davy and is currently largely used to produce bright green fireworks the names that are portrayed in the opening credits all contain actual abbreviations for real elements by the way i've uh, i went on a binge over yeah. the break i i watched uh, they were doing a marathon i was watching them on amc and then i realized i have netflix and i don't have to watch commercials <laughs> I kid you not I was like it was like the, the light bulb went on and I was like oh, that's fantastic internet <laughs> 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 how stupid am I to <laughs> not even realize that to begin with um, anyway I, I started watching all of the other things because there's different uh, different names and whatnot that come up uh, and all, all of them have been that I've seen okay. uh, real elements so case closed uh, he continues French Stuart all except for Vince Gilligan himself, whose name is not affected. At least I think this was uh, some confusion there was some confusion on the subject. I can't actually remember, as it has been too long. I can only assume that Joey is the sole cause of the rather lengthy delay between episodes. Too busy not starring in a hit TV show, I guess. <laughs> That's true. You you haven't been starring in any hit and it's TV kept shows. Me pretty busy. Yeah. That not starring. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, my top five. Uh, f- number five, Mars from the original Total Recall. Oh, sorry. This is top five. Fictional places you'd like to live. Fictional fantasy places that we'd like to live. Uh, Mars from the original Total Recall. A lawless place that appeals to my ruffian nature. There seems to be enough shenanigans to keep somebody like me busy. Again, this is French Stewart. (laughs) French Stewart. Number four. Thug's Mansion. A place created by the great Tupac Shakur. To house all the greats of our past. Men like Tupac himself, Marvin Gaye, Sam Cooke, and Malcolm X. Number three, Pandora. The home world of the provocative Na'vi. Uh, Mm. I could finally get my shot at the lovely Nitiri. Show Jake Sully what a real man looks like. Okay. I have no idea. I, I no idea what that You're is not about. Not missing anything. The movie Avatar. Oh, okay. Number two, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I have always loved the magic of movie making and the continued effort of Hollywood to the creation of this ever-expanding and interesting fictional California city is just <laughs> breathtaking. <laughs> And the idea of having brunch with Maverick and Ron Burgundy is just too titillating to not imagine. Number one, the home world of the Solomons. Perhaps I am a little biased, but I feel that playing the part of Harry Solomon has given me unprecedented access to another world. I almost feel like I have been there already. (laughs) That's from Third Rock from the Sun, the Solomons there. Uh, he he finishes now to business. I would like it to be known that from here on out, all my comments concerning Breaking Bad will be directed solely to Peter. <laughs> not only did Joey, herein after to be referred to as He Who Shall Not Be Named or HWSNBN. Promise me an explanation in episode 3 for the reason as to why Walt was drying his money that was not delivered upon. He also wished all my roles be given to someone else. I was willing to forgive you for your previous transgression, but after that, the doors have most definitely (laughs) been closed. That being said, until next time, Peter. Sincerely, French, he who shall not be named as the worst, Stuart.
1: Okay, is French Stuart going to be a Comic-Con fan experience?
0: Uh, no. Oh,
1: okay. No. Not I, that I'm aware of. I, I, I hope he comes to one of these Comic-Con events because I'm going to go up to him and say, are you really sending us emails?
0: <laughs> I hope he does show
1: up. <laughs> I just... I ought to log into the Gmail account and go look at the headers and see if I can figure out where these emails are really coming from. <laughs> I just really have trouble imagining it's actually French Stewart. You know,
0: he's a real person, just like he anybody else. Person.
1: I just don't think he's a real person who listens to Trick West Five.
0: <laughs> well, he probably won't for much longer if you keep on insulting him the way that you have.
1: Uh, you know, if he if we can get from I don't does French Stewart tweet? Do you know?
0: i'm sure he probably does
1: like twitter verifies twitter accounts if we saw a tweet about trek west five from the actual french stewart oh, twitter account oh i would issue a formal apology about everything i've ever said about french stewart okay and give him mad props for being if nothing else a trek west five listener <laughs> did your did your episode three not contain the money being laundered
0: uh no, huh, mine did. I must have a different cut. What episode three are we talking about? The one we're going to talk oh, about the today. One we're
1: going to talk about
0: today. Um no, there's no that happens in the in the podcast we talked about last time. Oh okay. I'm not sure why he said episode three in well, this. Maybe I, maybe I said episode. I don't know. I continue on. I'm not sure. Uh okay, listener fishhead. While many fictional places are fascinating and exciting to read about, watch in a program, or play in a game, they are not where I would want to live. Some places could be considered if I knew that I would have the similar abilities that current resident aliens, metahumans, magical creatures, or whatever have. Others are too harsh, too dangerous, or have too many serious and unpleasant ethical, economic, social, and ...or technological elements. I don't know if I would ever want to even visit them in person... ...even if I had the chance. Perhaps these could be uh, another top five list. Fictional places you would live in if you could... ...X, like others there... ...and fictional places you wouldn't even want to visit. (laughs) Okay. At the top of my list, list of places to actually live would be Bag End in Hobbiton. Except, not being Hobbit or Dwarf size, I would be too large for it, and I wouldn't really enjoy constantly bending over, hitting my head on things, etc. So, it is out. Okay. Which, by the way, I would not want to be in Lord of the Rings. Do not sign me up for any place in the Lord of the Rings.
1: At any point in the Lord of the Rings history?
0: Nope. Not interested. Why? Too too scary, um, not enough indoor plumbing. <laughs> um, yeah, I it just it's way too rural of a life <laughs> for me. okay. Uh, uh, Fishhead continues. Would Disneyland count as a fictional place? It is real, but also fictional at the same time. <laughs> there are fictional stories set in Disneyland, Disney World, and other Disney parks, so maybe? I wonder if uh, if one could get tired of living in a theme park. Perhaps if you could move between the Disney parks and resorts. Anyway, here are the five fictional places I came up with that I would want to live in, in order that I in the order that I learned about them. The Emerald City, <laughs> in the uh, in the fourteen original Wizard of Oz books. Even if Ozma is one of the most ineffectual leaders in all literature, Oz would be a fascinating and pun-filled place to explore. (laughs) The Baxter Building. Mm. The private Fantastic Four part, not the public part. While it has been repossessed, taken over by villains, and sent into space, no one that I know of has ever died in it it contains inventions, doorways to other dimensions, a time machine, spaceships, and other extraordinary technology. They have always, they always have visitors that would be great to meet, and the Future Foundation school is also there. Rivendell. Before everyone left for the Grey Havens, since Bag End is out, why not hang out with the elves? I could always visit Hobbiton and other parts of Middle Earth. Hogwarts. Being a muggle, maybe I wouldn't enjoy this as much as I think I would. But aside from the war, if you obey the rules, there are plenty of things to learn to do. And nearby places to visit that won't kill you. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe I am actually a mudblood. Finally, TARDIS. Since the her residence since their residents seem to just hang out in the control room they probably wouldn't even notice me in addition to the library and other amenities she contains i could also visit wherever and whenever i wanted until next time uh Fish had great list um yeah except for rivendell <laughs> that would be a terrible place uh listener m Number five, Coruscant. It might be pretty what? fun to live on the city planet. What?
1: That's,
0: all right. The heart of the evil empire. It can't be a nice place to it live. It wasn't always an evil place. Did you not watch The Phantom Menace? There were yeah. wonderful things happening there. It seemed like a pretty terrible place before. in The Phantom Menace. <laughs> uh, he, he, he continues, Although living so close to your neighbors might get old pretty quick. Number four, Neverland. Day after day of adventure and excitement would be a lot of fun. Number three, Hobbiton. It would be nice to have a slower pace than our modern world. Number two, Star Trek. I'm especially curious how the Federation makes their socialist utopia work out. How exactly is Quark's bar profitable on the station? Who pays starfleet's tab number one the matrix i would like it if i was one of the liberated humans Mm -hmm. how cool would it be able to download any information i want that would be pretty cool but all the rest of the stuff not so much uh later uh listener m okay um, uh, is Nook of Darkness um, Oh, he does not do a top five, I don't think, here
1: That's because he sent him in as French Stewart
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hey dudes, happy two months and happy everything An open letter to French, the big hack, Stewart Yes, the French Stewart res- uh, reserve of cheese has exploded And now we are all covered in the aftermath of debris uh, hey there, Squinty McSquinterton. <laughs> At first, I didn't think you were that horrible of an actor. I, in fact, thought your performance on Third Walk was the most endearing thing I uh, I had ever seen until I realized you were trying to be funny and that you had complete control over your countenance. I used to say... Ah, look at the brave actor with the frozen face muscle disease. (laughs) He cannot even alter his expression, and he's just out there bravely doing it. No matter what French he plays, same face freeze. Then I realized you were actually capable of moving your face, but just chose to remain in perma-squint because, hey, why try? So, bring it on. If you want to jape at Joey cuz his brainy is in cuz brainy is in his corner, you squinty humorless hack. <laughs> I look forward to your pathetic rebuttal as we take a pitied gander at your amazing career next week. Sincerely squintily yours, Ambassador Brainy Smurf. I got your back, Joey. <laughs>
1: I'm so confused. How has this podcast turned into
0: the battle between
1: Brent Stewart and myself and Brady?
0: I don't know, but it's nice that he's got your back. It is nice. It is nice that he's got my back. Here's the thing to remember. Everyone likes me in all of this. Yes, that's true. I've come out looking fantastic. (laughs) Well, I never recorded this podcast to make friends. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Joey, let's do your uh, top five, since we don't have one from uh, from Brainy.
1: Okay. Uh, my number five is Rivendell, because I disagree with Pete. I think it would be fantastic to live <laughs> you, there.
0: You like not having indoor plumbing. I grew up most of my childhood with no indoor <laughs> plumbing. It's not that weird. Uh, in fact, number four
1: is Minas Anor. This is Minas Tirith before the fall of uh, Osgiliath. So it's before Minas Tirith was the border... It's when, so it was just a nice place to live at that point in history. There, there, it wasn't constantly under threat of attack from Sauron because that So was,
0: Minas Anor was Osgiliath and Minas Tirith together. No,
1: it was just Minas... It was what Minas Tirith was called before the fall of Osgiliath. So when Osgiliath fell, Minas Anor was renamed to Minas Tirith because Tirith means guard. Oh, I see. So it became the Tower of the Guard. Up to that point, it had just been just this nice, idyllic city in the middle of Gondor. But at the fall of Osgiliath, the border actually shifted and pushed the border all the way up to the fields of Pelennor. Which yeah, were wait, right wait when did
0: uh, when did Osgiliath actually fall? Not movie fall, but like actual. It was between the second and third age. Okay, so what we see in the movies, uh, in the film. Of Osgiliath falling and being protected and and taken back and forth, was that just menace- like the men of Gondor trying to reclaim the part of their yeah, that, homeland? Yeah, that
1: borders shifting back and forth all the time. And if you okay. look at how Osgiliath looks in the movies, it's, it's destroyed. I mean, it's the it's ruins. Right. It had been at one point a vibrant, thriving city, the way Minas Tirith is. It was this. It was this. It was actually the capital city of Gondor. Right. At the time.
0: Okay, good. Thanks for clearing that up. I appreciate that.
1: Uh, number three is The Enterprise, D. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number two is Disneyland, which I am fully convinced <laughs> is a fictional place. <laughs> and I will share why later. <laughs> and my number one fictional place to
0: live, Galt's Gulch. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Oh, man. How did... You know, I, ha- I was thinking about all of the different books... That uh, uh, that I've read and and whatnot, and you know, thinking, oh, you know, how would I like to live in, in the world of the Indian in the cupboard? And you oh, know, yeah, no, not that great, unless I actually have that cupboard, uh, which even that is still not <laughs> gr- that great. <laughs> I mean, it's just neat, I guess. Yeah. Um, and I thought of uh, that book Atlas by A- Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, and I thought. No, that would be an awful place to live. <laughs> that would be so terrible, it's like dystopian. Much where we live now, Pete? Um, and but Galt's Gulch is the good place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, my list number five: um, the fictional world of Calvin and Hobbes. Huh, okay. If you think about it, that place is magical. Yeah. I mean, the the he never really gets hurt. <laughs> Uh, He's got free run of everything. He's got the transmogrifier gun. He's got all sorts of crazy inventions that are just super cool. Um, Number four, I'm going to say Ender's Game. uh, Because of all of the technology, all of the, um, the cool stuff that is going on. And granted, yes, there's a war happening. Sure it's happening elsewhere okay i most likely won't have to, to so deal you're with not it. saying
1: battle school necessarily but earth during the time yeah okay
0: yeah still would be a pretty cool place to to be uh i don't know maybe it had some
1: dystopian aspects to it though
0: Sh- sure did it's okay. a military it's kind of like a military state the military was in in pretty uh succinct control um but it had the illusion of a lot of freedom and cool stuff for everybody though that's what i like number three x-men only if i could actually have, be a mutant with some sort of mutant <laughs> power and if that were the case then yeah put me in that world that would be really awesome uh to be able to to be there number two doctor who uh Fishhead called it the the TARDIS, uh, okay. but anywhere in that world would be pretty awesome to be able to to go around and travel with the Doctor and do all the cool stuff. Yeah, sign me up for that any day. Number one, uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. Okay. Um, the the world of the Federation in the you know twenty fourth century. Is a pretty amazing, awesome place. So you're not looking specifically
1: for the Enterprise, but just anywhere inside the Federation. Yeah, it okay.
0: seems like some pretty awesome places, like uh, you know, uh, Beta Z. I, I could, I could see me uh, uh, hanging t- out attending there, attending some weddings naked. <laughs> yes, <laughs> of course. I forgot about that. Um, or uh, oh no, uh, uh, what's the what's the other one? Um, In fact, like John gave me the the thing where Riker likes to go, Risa. Oh yeah, <laughs> the the world that is essentially a, a you know a big resort yep. uh, town, but you know all of the technical technological advances, uh, you know the opportunity to learn and, and do so many amazing things. Oh, that would be
1: so awesome! Yeah, good old planet
0: shore leave. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, should we do Brainy's nook? Let's do it. Of darkness. Um, yeah, he. Uh, We'll just pull that email up here. He continues on. For Brainy's Nook of Darkness this week, we jump into the way back machine to Brainy's first day of high school. For those listeners in different places, this means I was a ninth grade. Uh, I was ninth grade, a dumb 13 year old. And now, for some insanely misguided reason, I signed up for Honors Chemistry. Shouldn't have been there. I, however, heard that the teacher was awesome, and so as we crammed into the chemistry room, we impatiently observed a white-haired, 70-year-old dude stroll in. As he read all our names and took roll, he spoke so softly that we all had to strain to hear, and in turn, he harnessed our attention, demonstrating complete control over the room. As he went on toward the end of class, He began to tell us about all the crap we would have to memorize. And as some groan... Technically he writes groins. (laughs) And as some groins began to involuntarily emerge from the class, Mr. Zura calmly paused and uttered a sentence that I have never forgotten. Quote, Memorization is not a talent one is born with. It is simply a skill that you work with. To improve. Close quote. To hammer in his point, he then, without ever glancing over at his roll sheet, he looked at each of us in the eye and told us our first and last names. There were thirty-one students in the room. Wow. He said that when he took roll, he just made a simple series of associations between uh, name and our appearance. We left the room in silent awe, and I did not fail chemistry. That was Mr. Zura's 40th and final year of teaching, and he is the only teacher I will never forget. For he imparted not just an invaluable life skill to us, but he instilled a sense of confidence in his students that we didn't know we had. Thanks, Mr. Z. Rest in peace. Very cool. That's really awesome. Yeah. Uh, okay, that's it. Joey, let's hear uh, about your Culture Corner uh, trip. <laughs> so for Christmas
1: this year, my wife and I went and took our kids with us, went to Disneyland. Um, prior to going to Disneyland, we spent several months. I, I wrote and my wife illustrated a children's yeah. novel. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yep. A children's book about our kids and their trip to Disneyland. The whole thing was done as though... Uh, our children lived in a magical kingdom they were a prince and a princess and and they you know we were mom mom and dad were the king and queen and the mom and dad woke them up one morning and said hey we're going on an adventure for for christmas and they each page of the of the book revealed a piece of the journey and they didn't know where we were going we'd not told the kids that any of this was going to happen first time they knew anything was coming was when we woke them up saturday morning december 6th and said guys let's read this book so the book over you know, slowly develops and, and takes them on this adventure. And the last page of the book we read right as we were as we got off the plane because we flew JetBlue uh, out to Long Beach Airport. And as we got off the plane, we were waiting for the shuttle to come pick us up to take us actually to Disneyland. And that's when we turned to the last page. You could see the Disneyland castle there, the Sleeping or yeah Sleeping Beauty's castle, and revealed to our children that we were going to Disneyland. Now, I want to start off by saying theme parks, not really my thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big roller coaster guy. They're, they're okay. I don't hate them. Don't necessarily really love them either. Don't particularly care for massive crush of humanity around me all the time. <laughs> um, and so this was something that my wife had kind of browbeaten me into for 15 plus years. When we first got married, she said, Hey, at some point when our kids are old enough to appreciate it, we are going to go on a big Disneyland trip. We'd kind of been trying to save up for it a little bit here and there over the years. And it was this year that my wife came to me. She said, You know, they've got this thing at Disneyland. It's called the Jedi Training Academy. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can only participate if you're under 12. Well, in, Janu- in January, here in the- later this month, my son turns 13 years old. Yeah. Big Star Wars fan, my son. She said... We got to go now. We got to go now if he's ever going to get a chance to do the Star Wars, the, the Jedi Training Academy. So over the course of the year, we put away what what more we could to try and make the trip as good as we could. And and I had I had set a rule for her early on. I said, you know what? If we're going to go, we went with her family. I don't know uh, when my daughter was four, so five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, her family paid for a trip out there, and we stayed at a hotel that was. I think four or five blocks away from the park. And it was taking us 90 minutes every morning to take the shuttle from four blocks away down into the park itself because it stops at every single park bench sure. or bus stop all the way down. Yeah. And I said, you know If we're going to go, I really want to stay at one of the Disney hotels because that way we're right there in the park. We're within walking distance. And you get into the park an hour before everyone else. You know, there's just a, a, lot, of, a lot of benefits to it. So that's what we did. We stayed at the Disneyland Hotel which is pretty expensive. Um, <laughs> I, d- I don't know that I got necessarily the value that I was looking for out of it because it was still quite a walk. We still had to go through all of downtown Disney, and I feel like there were probably cheaper hotels that were just as far but not quite the branded Disney property. I don't know. Right. I'm not terribly upset about it, but the main thing I want to say about this trip is, you know, I mentioned earlier, I'm not a theme park guy. I would never go to Disneyland for myself for a good time. Which just wouldn't be my idea of, of a fun trip, but watching my children experience Disneyland was the most magical thing I've ever seen in my whole life. The one of the owners of our company is I talked to him cause he goes to Disneyland like twice a year. Hmm. Uh, that's Steve. I don't know if if you knew that about Steve. I didn't. Um, he said, one of the things you have to do, he said, my, did, my dad did it when they took us to Disneyland when I was a kid. I do it to my kids when I take them to Disneyland now. They're going to roll their eyes. They're going to groan about it. But you have to go see famous moments with Mr. Lincoln. Which sure. is they have yeah, an yeah, animatronic, yeah. Yep. Abraham Lincoln up there. And it's really cool. It looks very much like a person standing up there talking to you. And so I, I told my wife you know we're gonna we're gonna take our kids to this and we let them go on rides for you know, I mean, it was I think it was our third or fourth day there we were there for in the park for five days um it was our I think our fourth day there where I said okay today's the day we're gonna go see mr. Lincoln and it's just for me a sign of how magical it was for my kids that as we walked out of Mr. Lincoln my daughter turned to me nine years old and said dad I want to go on that again <laughs> like It did not matter what we did It was super cool Because yeah. hey we're in Disneyland and we're going to love it And we told them you know, when, when we revealed to them that this was Disneyland and the trip to Disneyland Was basically their Christmas present Because again this was December 6th I said look guys there's not going to be much Christmas this year Because everything we've had has gone into this trip And on Christmas morning When they woke up and there was only A few things from the grandparents And Uncle Aaron had picked up a few things and my wife had picked up some Disney movies. And that was it. They, they, I think they each got three presents, plus the the pile of Disney movies that accumulates over the year that my wife buys all the Blu-ray versions of every Disney movie and puts them in a pile, and then on Christmas morning. There they all are. <laughs> but uh, th- there wasn't a grumble. There, there wasn't any complaint. There wasn't any whining. Hey, you know, I didn't get very much for Christmas this year. My my son got up and he came upstairs, he looked under the tree and he said, Is this everything there is? And my daughter said, Remember JJ, our Christmas present was our trip to Disneyland. And he went, Oh right. And that was that was the only thing that was said about it the whole day. Yeah. Super proud of my kids for not, you know, for realizing the value that they got out of that. And there were so many cool things that we did at Disneyland. That's why I included it on my list as a fictional place because yeah. That is not a real place. I I don't know how we got there, but it's not on this planet. (laughs) (laughs) Just even the attitude of people like there was there was a guy who, you know, cut me off in a line. And I'm a I'm pretty protective of my my place in a line. You know, I'm not one that normally somebody did that. I'd be like, hey, buddy, end of the lines back there, you know, but I just let it go. I was in Disneyland. The happiest place on earth. I'm not going to fight a guy over one spot in a line of, you know, 20 minute long line of people. I just let it go. And that's how magical of a place it is.
0: Wow. Who knew that you would bring Frozen into your heart so, <laughs> so much?
1: Uh, the You know, there, there were a lot of stories that I could share about how cool of a place it was and, and the experiences that we had there. There was a particular one I wanted to share that is escaping me right now. Oh, it was the, the guided tour. One of the things that we did that I enjoyed the most of all was we went on a guided tour of the park. So this is where, you know, at I think five in the afternoon, we went and we met a cast member at a certain location. They gave us a little earbud with a radio to put in and we, and we followed this guy around. And as he's going around, he's pointing out different things about the park that you may not know. Uh, for example, going up and down Main Street, USA, all the little shops that are there, the businesses, in between every business, there's a little door that looks like it leads to an upstairs apartment. And they're just false doors. They don't go anywhere for the most part. But they have the names of companies on them. And the names of every single one of those companies relates somehow to people that helped Walt Disney be successful in his early years. Mm. For example, they have the, the Sherman Brothers Music Company, and that's a reference to Richard and Robert Sherman, who wrote the music and lyrics for a lot of the early Disney movies. And, you know, just there, there are lots of little interesting things like that. There's this person took us around the park and told us all these cool little facts about the park itself. And then there are several rides where you they just take you up the exit. And the, and the guy's got a radio with him, and as you're getting close to the ride, he radios ahead and he says, Hey, hold a car for us, I've got the tour group coming. And they hold a car at the exit They don't send that car on up to the rest of the line And you go up and you walk right on, You get right on the ride You take the ride, he's waiting for you when you get off the ride Takes you on to the next thing So we got to do three different rides And then uh, as it got to be dark We went out and people are just Lining the street waiting for this parade to start there's a, Every night there's a what they call the winter magic parade huh. At least uh, during, during the holidays It's called the winter magic parade I think it's called something else during the rest of the year So but so we're walking down the street. The street is roped off. And we can see people just lined up like 15, 20 people deep on either side. But we're just strolling calmly down the middle of this completely empty Main Street Disneyland. Yeah. And I can see people pointing at us like, who who are they? (laughs) Like like we must be some kind of dignitaries or something, right? (laughs) The guy's leading us. He's holding a candle the whole time so that we could always find him if we get lost. So it was an electronic candle, but it had a little... Sure. bulb at the top, so you know we're walking down and we're watching. I you know, we're walk, walking down the middle of the street and we get to the very end of the street where the the floats and stuff go by you and then go off the street back into the construction area or whatever's back there. And there's folding chairs set up, and everyone else is just sitting on their gr- on the ground. Uh-huh. But we've got padded folding chairs to sit on, and these folding chairs are right on the edge of the street and the mm. the. Starkest example I give of that is when the marching band went by, there was a guy, he had the three drum set you yeah. know, around uh-huh. a strap around his neck, and as he went by, his drum set passed no more than three inches in front of my nose. Right. And there's nothing between you and and the parade. I mean, you are right there front and center. The The, the parade hadn't started yet when we sat down They're like, oh, you know, before the parade starts here, we've got... Hot chocolate and cookies for you. So they brought us these little collectible cups and hot with hot chocolate in them, and they, you know, brought, brought us gingerbread cookies. We're sitting there eating cookies and drinking hot chocolate, and I can look across the street at the people who've probably been sitting there for hours to get a good front row seat to the parade, looking at me in just sheer jealousy as I'm sipping, sitting on my padded chair and sipping my hot cocoa and eating my gingerbread cookie. <laughs> And so as as the parade is going on, they they had Cinderella go through. And then the Wicked Stepmother and the Wicked Stepsisters come through. And as I had Beth sitting next to me. So as the Wicked Stepsisters are coming up, I leaned over to Beth and I whispered, Hey, should we boo them? Should should we give them a boo? And, And Beth said, Yeah, let's do it. And so we just, as loud as we can, just start saying, Boo! And one of the Wicked Stepsisters comes over and, I mean... She's talking to my daughter. She gets down and she's like, you don't boo me. I am an important person. Mm-hmm. Mother, mother, they're booing me. And, and it was just and to watch her face just light up, it was just such a great experience <laughs> on every single level. Those people know how to make a guest happy. That whole yeah. entire park has been built around, you know what, we're going to give everybody the most magical experience we can. And in my opinion... Smashing success! I'm going to give it two thumbs up.
0: Yeah, I, I, uh, I I'm. Re- you've told me some of the stories, and, and they are pretty fantastic. You did hadn't told me this story about um, the
1: the guided tour. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um. Did it cost extra for the guided tour? I don't know. Honestly, my wife planned everything out, and she told okay. me
1: here's how much I need, and I made that happen.
0: Right. I see. I see. Um. Yeah. That's pretty fast. Fascinating to. To be able to get a tour like that, that would be really awesome. There, there were some things we did that actually
1: saved us, I think, a little bit of money. And if we would have had a better, like, if we'd known better what to expect, we could have saved probably even more money. Yeah. One of the things that I that I found out is that my family out there in a in a park did not have near the appetite I was expecting <laughs> them to have. I thought we would be hungry all the time because we'd be on our feet and walking around a lot more than we're used to, but we just didn't seem any more hungry. In fact i'd say even a little bit our appetites were a little bit suppressed from what they normally were um, but we did have there's a company called Vaughn's grocery that will deliver groceries to the hotel and the hotel will not only hold the groceries for you they've got a refrigeration unit. they'll take the cold things back into the refrigeration unit and everything yeah and you just when you get back to your room you call the bell desk and they bring them up to you um, and that that saved us some money over you know eating in the park but we did eat in the park quite a few times and i have to say The food quality at Disneyland was amazing. There was never a bad dining experience there.
0: That... that, So, I... Two favorite things, two favorite rides are the Indiana Jones ride and the Star Tours. Okay. After that, the the biggest reason why I would want to go to Disneyland is the food. (laughs) Every time that I've been, and I have been a few times, the food was phenomenal. Yeah. It was so... Good. I have never eaten that well in my entire life. Um, I had a friend uh, that I went to church with. Uh, she was one of the characters. Okay. Uh, so she was a um, a Disney actor that worked in member. in a in a park. Yeah, a cast member. I want to say she did Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Okay. But I, I don't remember which which one she did. But she talked about how you know pretty amazing and cool it was and. You know, it's a a special kind of person that gets hired on to do those types of things. Um, Did you guys ever go and do any of the story time stuff?
1: Uh, So, like,
0: go to a certain place and you sit down and then Disney characters come out and they tell you a story and... That, that's pretty a pretty fun thing to do.
1: Uh, again, I I am not the expert in this. Mostly, I, my wife planned out what we were going to do. But according to my wife, we did every single thing there is to do in Disneyland and California Adventure at least once. Wow! There's nothing we did not do. We were there in, for five, including
0: days. the Tiki Hut. We did. Oh, dude, I love the Tiki. Room. Oh my gosh, that is the worst thing that they Here, have. Here's there. what you
1: have to. Here's why you didn't appreciate the Tiki room.
0: Because it's terrible
1: inside the the fenced-in area for the Tiki Room, there's a, a little shop that sells Dole Whip floats. This is pineapple <laughs> soft-serve ice cream with sure. pineapple juice poured over the top. Sure, sure. Yeah, You're laughing because this is the number one thing that I've been saying I miss from Disneyland. Uh-huh. I, I could give up all the rest of it. I could never go on another Disneyland ride in my rest of my life and I'd be just fine. But I am so missing that taste that uh-huh. I actually went on amazon.com and looked up how much would it cost me to get a little soft serve ice cream machine in my house and then can i get access which i can get access to the soft serve solution for dole whip floats Look, it's gonna cost me about 500 bucks. but I guarantee you sometime in the next 18 months you'll be able to come to my house and
0: have <laughs> yourself a Whip float. I look forward to that day, sir. I really do. Uh, I'm glad that you and your family had such a wonderful and dare I say, magical time there. Um, and that it wasn't in, in any way a negative experience. Because I've only had positive experiences with Disneyland. I love Disneyland. I think it's a, a wonderful place to for you and your family to go. And I'm glad that you know your kids appreciated it, and it seemed like it was just the the, yeah. the right time. They're going to start to get a little bit older, and it's going to become less interesting. Yep, I think. Um, well,
1: and you know I've been to like here in Utah we have a place called Lagoon it's kind of like a six flags I've been yeah. to it, six Flags before I've been to other theme parks before it, if you've it been to a theme park in comparison you, you don't you don't understand how Disneyland is different they have yeah. every single thing about that place is set to make you feel like you've walked into a magical kingdom yep it is their number one goal the lengths they will go to to make sure that you have a wonderful time there I've never seen out of any organization anywhere else on earth
0: Yeah, and it it shows. I mean, it's it's not cheap. Yeah, (laughs) it's not cheap to get in there, but it is definitely worth it. At the very least, once in your life, you got to go and do it. I I think. Okay, Uh, now I just checked the emails again. Brainy sent in his top five. Oh great! So let's just cut in uh, to do that real quick. Uh, Hey dudes, on my way home from work, I realized I forgot to submit a top five. And I also forgot to welcome Justin, whom has yet to be nicknamed I submit the scorekeeper <laughs> okay, he's not here tonight, justin uh well, he's downstairs he is I forgot to invite him oh that's okay he'll 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 be back one day I'm sure uh top five honorable mention to the nineteen seventy seven Grateful Dead North American Tour. <laughs> I imagine that's probably a pretty magical time to, to have been alive. Okay, but it's not a place to live. Alright. Uh, so? Uh, I'm not going to so, criticize anyone else's list. Go ahead. Number five. Grms. World of ice and fire. But only if you're a dragon because if you are a person, your life sucks and that world. Your life sucks you, in that world he just says "And that world oh. there's no punctuation to end that sentence I'm assuming he meant to write more okay uh, number four planet Scarrow wouldn't it be so fun to be a Dalek no stress no <laughs> career pressure and no red tape I would love just to exterminate. just exterminate I would love to just wander around all day and say to my fellow comrades exterminate what are we gonna <laughs> exterminate next dudes Number three, Castle Grayskull. (laughs) (laughs) I would have the power. Uh, Number two, the TARDIS. Just like Santa's bag of toys, it is bigger on the inside. And after all, it has a swimming pool. And number one is, of course, Farmer Hoggett's Farm from the movie Babe, where you may hear a duck hollering that, quote, Christmas means carnage, close quote. <laughs> I would hope to be a sheepdog or a sheep pig. Uh, Brainy, thank you very much for the list. Um, moving on to episodes. Uh, we are going to cover episodes uh, three through four of Breaking Bad season one. And we'll start with episode number three and the bags in the river. After cleaning up the remains of Amelia's stew... Walter and Jesse
1: part ways, acrimoniously, and Walter kills Crazy Eight. Skylar begins to realize there's something really wrong with Walter when she catches him in a lie about
0: working late at the car wash. Okay, woo. So, cleanup time. Emilio Stew, the
1: oh, stew that eats like a meal. That <laughs>
0: oh, that was. So- so gross.
1: I have to say the, the hardest part for me to watch was when he squeezes the sponge yeah. and that sludge just kind yeah. of oozes out of the I don't know who the person on the cast was, or you know on the crew was that was responsible for making that textured liquid,
0: but they did a phenomenal job. Yeah, it was so what what I would have liked to have seen from the actors more is gagging. Well, and I got thinking about that, actually. Like, what happens if you vomit inside that
1: mask? <laughs> That's just got to be, like, a, a downward spiral
0: of horrible things proceed from that point. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, so, I mean, it, it's pretty terrible. I mean, the, it's even just starting to drip through that floor. which <laughs> down,
1: down to where Crazy age is. Yeah.
0: It's got to eat through that floor eventually. I mean, yeah. you can't clean up what's managed to get through the cracks. Um, well, anyway, they cut to this scene where Walt is working with this woman. Okay, and they're There's going. Not Skylar. No, not Skyler. This is when he was working at the 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 company. Uh, you know, chemical company. The chemical company, um, and. Uh, they're talking about the chemical makeup of humans. And I forgot and I meant to go back and look at like what was the the highest water f- it was hydrogen first. Hydrogen. Yes. That was the the uh, the element that was the uh, that makes you up the most. Right. Okay. Um but that was a unique and interesting thing to to put in Right as they're scraping up yeah, all of the bits up a human, yeah. of human, um, brilliant. I and I thought really it was like a that. cool
1: conceit that carried throughout the episode as we get to like the they always tied it in a little bit with the dialogue or what yeah. was going
0: on for him. Uh-huh.
1: There was always a neat correlation there to his flashback,
0: yeah, even to the very end uh, of the episode. Uh, the next thing I wrote is, I just want to punch Marie she is just one of these people this is skylar's sister sister. okay um she is the the person who plays a nurse i think or she's some medical related yes um she is just a terrible person (laughs) she's sitting there watching them work and just is so self-absorbed yeah
1: but before they got into the marie thing um there's a comment from Crazy Eight as he's down held hostage down in the basement. Uh huh. He says, "This this is degrading. I wouldn't do this to my worst enemy." Yep. Yeah. Um, I thought I would. I totally would. Like, I don't know that I'd do it to someone random off the street, but I totally would do something like that to my worst enemy.
0: Well, th- that whole exchange, um, you know, Crazy Eight is trying to drive a wedge. Between Walter and Jesse. And he's sure. trying to, you know, convince him, do anything he can to get himself out of the situation. Um, so I don't take a lot of stock no, 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 in, no. in what he is talking about there because I see it as self preservation. Sure.
1: I'm with you there. I just, it made me think, what is that something that you would do to your worst enemy? Like lock keep him, him up, locked up like that. Put him in a dungeon?
0: And... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's too much talking uh from from dear old Jesse. He just he doesn't know how to think. He's very short-sighted. He's very much interested in the short term uh for him. Yeah. He does not think things through. And they have that screaming match out in the front yard. And I'm like, "You guys should not be screaming about this stuff out on the street." Oh my gosh. That is probably one of the things that I love the most is when Jesse And Walter fight when the two of them fight because they're both idiots, (laughs) (laughs) and it's just like ah," just uh, rage running at each other, and you know it's what elementary school kids do. That's a good point. You know they don't know how to punch; they're just flailing out wildly. (laughs) They're they're grunting at each other. It is hilarious. For me to watch how, how how these two manage to to get at each other over and over again. Um, uh, part of that exchange with the uh, 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 crazy eight is he says, "Walter, you're not a murderer. And you know why? Why are you doing this here? This is not who you are. You are not a murderer. And I think that Walter believes that. I mean, he. It's different." from what he did before when he he ended up killing emilio with right. the, the the chemicals that, that was, was yeah that was just pure survival that was not premeditated making a formal mental decision to do a thing to another human being <laughs>
1: making a pro and con list oh jeez
0: <laughs> yeah the pro and con list on the toilet <laughs> <laughs> oh Mwah. so amazing it's a little bit ahead but it is just just so wonderful I mean because here is Walter incredibly pragmatic logical individual thinking things through and He's making the pro and con list. Like, uh, you know, this is, I'm deciding about whether or not I want to put a bathroom in my basement. (laughs) So let me go through the pros and cons list now. And to just put him on the toilet.
1: As he makes that list.
0: Yeah, it just makes it so normal. Normal. So this is just what any other person would do when they're
1: on the toilet. (laughs) When he starts making the list, like he divides up the paper. Since we jumped ahead, I just wanted Mm -hmm. to talk Mm -hmm. about it for a second. He divides up the paper, and like I realized what's coming. Oh, he's making a pro con list, and I started. I like before he got to it, I started making my own mental pro con list: kill him (laughs) or don't kill him. And I was a little bit dismayed when Walter wrote down, "Murder is wrong." Uh, not because it was number three on his list, because I realized it hadn't made mine. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, oh yep, yep. didn't think about that one, did I?
0: Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh. It's a completely reasonable thing to do. It, it, you're right. It absolutely is wrong. Why didn't I think of that as a con? <laughs> I'm glad that little bit of humanity is in there. I don't remember the con list. I just remember the pro list was he could come after me and kill me. He my will family. come after me and kill me and my entire family if I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's just walk that back a little bit. During the fight or after the fight, uh, Jesse says to Walt, Dude, we flipped a coin. Coin flip is sacred. <laughs> that, that was new to me. <laughs> I didn't realize that the coin flip was a sacred thing. It it is interesting though what people think is sacred. To him, I, it's not. To, to it's really not. Right. To to Jesse, I mean that's just you know him trying to prove a, a, his argument and you know make the the best argument he can, but. What we choose to make sacred? <laughs> why not a coin flip? Why not a coin flip? It's, it's just as it's valid as as saying anything else related to your religion is sacred. You've chosen that thing to be sacred. Doesn't mean I have. Right. Well, and the thing I hadn't ever really thought about coin flips. That like
1: him saying that, I was like, well, you know, what did he really? What did he mean by that? And I thought, oh well, you know, I never really thought about it this way. But in a way, agreeing on agreeing to do something based on the outcome of a coin flip, it, you're giving your word, that right? You're yeah, going to do you're that making thing. a bond, a covenant right. with with, and, and with some I other hadn't person. And I had really thought about that before because I always focused on the randomness involved in the coin flip and not, oh, I really am making a promise to do something here based on that random event.
0: Yeah, I'm glad that uh, you bring that up because uh, I hadn't thought of that, and you're absolutely right. It is, you're making a bond right there. You're saying you're going to do something. Um, Coin flip is sacred, though, is just just so amazing. It just sums up Jesse so well. Yeah, I'm with you. Take whatever thing he can and, you know, oh, this proves my point. That's right. Coin flip. That's sacred, dude. You have to do that. You have to follow through. Um okay, Marie steals the shoes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um I I'm going to come out and say this now. No one in this series is good. Okay. Not even the son? Ah, uh, sorry. The the kids, the son is like he's good. Okay. he you know he, the, he there's no real malice okay. about him. Everybody else there is they're not great people <laughs> they are not great human beings and it became tough at a certain point for me to continue to uh, bond with or have a connection with these characters because they do so many terrible horrible things that I would never ever do granted, Not in their situation. Blah, blah, blah. I have to say Skylar hasn't done anything yet that I would say is really horrible. Or at least hasn't happened on camera. Marie is... She's a terrible person. She is. Awful. Yeah. Awful person. And what is it that drives her to decide to say, you know what? These are mine now. I'm taking these. These are mine. What in her head... Was going on that she says This is an okay thing for me to do
1: Well at the moment it seemed like They portray it as though It's it's her vindication for the way That this lady has treated her Okay yeah In, in that moment that's how I t- interpreted that As like oh yeah that is kind of a big Screw you to that lady <laughs> She just walked out with those You know probably pretty expensive shoes And left her sneakers behind
0: in their place Yeah Um Okay, so next thing that I have here is uh, Hank decides to uh, scare Walt Jr. straight because <laughs> it's uh, perceived that he's he's smoking marijuana. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, it's talked about by Hank as a gateway drug. <laughs> and I just wanted to talk about that. I meant to look up, I've, as I've meant to look up so many other things on the podcast, but the validity... Of that statement, marijuana is a gateway drug. It's been used since the '50s and '60s. Sure. Good old uh, reefer madness. Yeah, it is. You do you do this, it's gonna. Your next step is the hard drugs, and and then you're you know you're strung out, and you're gonna die. How how real is that uh, that argument no. of? this is a gateway sure. drug and you're going to start doing more. Now, leaving every other drug aside, just marijuana. Does marijuana make you more likely to try other drugs?
1: I, I don't have hard research yeah, on that. I, yeah, I don't but either.
0: Here, here's how I've always looked at
1: that. It's not necessarily the smoking of the marijuana and, and the need for a fix that drives you to the other drugs. It's the fact that You're smoking marijuana, and you're getting away with what you know is a crime. You know, here in America, in most parts of the most parts of the United States, it's a crime to own and to to smoke marijuana, and so it's that thought in the back of your mind of, oh well, you know, I did this, and it didn't really hurt me. And when you're looking for that next thing, then you're much more comfortable now with going to a, a similar kind of person and saying. Well, you know what? What do you got that's stronger than marijuana? I'm having a really bad day. You know, I, I really want to feel good. My wife just left me. My dog died, and my truck broke down. How about hooking me up with some of the the really hard stuff? And and I I think it's more of the the attitude that comes in the back of your mind from saying, you know what? I can break the law and get away with it, and nobody gets
0: hurt. That that is really the gateway into doing the harder drugs. Mm. Um. What do you think about the legalization of marijuana? So it's legal now in the state of Colorado. Mm-hmm. It's legal in the state of Washington or Oregon? One of the two. I can't remember which one. Um, it, Somewhere med- there in the med- Pacific Northwest. Medicinally, you can use it in California. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I, I
1: let me start with the medicinal use in California. I've talked to people out there who... You know, especially there in uh, Silicon Valley. I have a lot of friends there in the tech industry in Silicon Valley. And it's really kind of a joke for them to even pretend like they're enforcing this medicinal use thing. Uh, I, I have a friend who's like, yeah, I just tell, go to the doctor, tell him I get headaches. And he prescribes me marijuana. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, He doesn't say take an aspirin. He says go smoke a joint. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that in and of itself, I think California should just stop fooling themselves and join Colorado and say, here's what we're doing. I understand the standpoint that Colorado is coming from, was coming from when they first kind of broke new ground in this area. The idea that by criminalizing marijuana, we have created a prison problem. Mm-hmm. We have created an economic problem. Yep, And we have created a violence and other unsavory acts problem as a result. I think those are legitimate arguments. You know, we look at prohibition and alcohol and we go, yep, that absolutely was a terrible idea. It didn't go well for anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't necessarily want to see that continue to spread to other states. I like the idea that a few states have done it. And if you know what, if that's your thing, go ahead, go to Colorado. See ya. We don't need you here. I'm okay with that. Saying, you know, if if that's something you want to do, go live in a state where we're comfortable with that
0: and if those people will self-segregate, that makes my life easier. Okay. So what about the aspect of allowing people to smoke marijuana instead of cigarettes? Marijuana I, I is certainly would just... rather
1: have them smoking marijuana than tobacco.
0: Okay. Um From a Mormon perspective, Mm -hmm. for those who don't know, uh, as part of the word of wisdom, our our law, our code of health, um, it says no tobacco, no alcohol, um, no... um, Oh, what's the other ones? Hot drinks. (laughs) No hot drinks, which are no coffee, no tea, and then no illegal drugs. Right. And nowadays... Marijuana is no longer illegal. In some places. State of Colorado. Right. It's no longer illegal. So if a Mormon decided to, let's not even say smoke marijuana, let's just say ingest marijuana. Okay. Had some brownies? Had some brownies. (laughs) They wanted to mellow out. Would that person be in violation of the word of wisdom? That person is living in Colorado? person's living in Colorado no I don't believe they would now
1: the the general principle of the word of wisdom is to not get addicted to things
0: yeah it's the Lord's law of health it's right. it's designed to help you live a better life and be healthy and uh, amongst other things totally with you on that not focused on that right has that no nice Mormon have. boy or girl broken the word of wisdom. I don't believe they have. Yeah, I don't think they have either. But it is a very awkward area yeah. that I wouldn't want to be the bishop <laughs> in there. Uh, you know, again, it's,
1: you know, I go back to we know that marijuana is habit forming, and that would be the place that I would have that discussion with them, just to say, hey, look, just be aware. This this tends to be a habit forming mm-hmm. drug. You don't the, like the principle of the law is don't. Let your body rule your mind or your spirit. be in charge of what happens in your body. Now that's a, a very abstract version of the principle. I mean I'm kind of taking it to an extreme, if you will, but I, I think broadly speaking that that is the principle that we're trying to get to. and as long as someone is in control of their habits, in control of their appetites, I, I don't think you can tell them, no,
0: you're you're committing sin. Mm. Okay, good talk. Uh, okay, the Crystal Palace. Uh, so, Walt, uh, Hank rolls up to the Crystal Palace. <laughs> this is where he's scaring uh, Walt Jr. straight. And uh, he's showing him, he's like, oh yeah, look at all these people here. This is a terrible place to live. Calls over the the hooker. <laughs> And uh, he's like, "Hey, how did you how did you get started? I bet it was marijuana, and you know you're you're a junkie now. You're you're probably a meth head." And she's like, "No, I don't use that stuff." Well, show me your teeth. <laughs> yeah, okay, yep. She's smoking meth. That you you can tell from that. Uh, Walt, does that does that look interesting to you? And he's like, "No." Why? Why am I here? <laughs> Which is just hilarious. Yes. I mean, the fact that the the it's two the most of them oblique just say no uh, campaign in uh, history. So funny. <laughs> but what is what is even funnier is the fact that she then goes back up to one of the rooms in the hotel, <laughs> and uh, sorry motel, and there's Jesse. Jesse. Yeah, he's like, and what do those guys want? <laughs> he is. He's high. He's paranoid. And he's like okay yeah uh man did, what were they saying what did you want what do they do he's like oh no okay and then we have the scene where they have sex yep and it is it's again another one of these just sort of like uh oh this is a completely normal thing to have happen <laughs> right here right now In the i'm middle gonna of this conversation. i'm gonna pull my underwear down and uh, we're we're gonna have sex, and I'm assuming he's paying her with the the crystal meth, yeah, so that she can also then get high herself. You know, uh, when what's the sister's name? Margaret?
1: Uh, Marie. Marie. When Marie is talking to Hank and saying you need to take Walt Junior out and talk to him about drugs, and he asks her, he's like, "Well, did did Skyler tell you he's taking drugs?" She says, "No," but she inferred it. Yeah i didn't
0: know if you caught that because uh-uh. she didn't infer it what did she do pete um she implied it that's correct <laughs> she might have inferred it as well though um okay so uh walt's lies start to catch up with him yeah he calls up uh, scott and he's like oh <laughs> sorry i got caught at the at the uh, uh the car wash really sorry and she's like oh that's interesting because I just called them and they said that you were fired or you quit two weeks ago. Wherever you're at, why don't you just go ahead and stay there? <laughs> and it, that's oh, that's got to be terrible for, for a couple to go through. Um, have you ever had that conversation? Why don't you just stay wherever you're at right now?
1: Not in that tone.
0: <laughs> but they're like oh honey why don't you just stay yes, where you're yeah. at right now you know,
1: there's been times where i called her up you know and said hey i uh i just missed the last train home She says, okay well do you want me to come get you i said no it's too far for you to drive and i can tell you're tired i want you driving okay well why don't you just stay there and i'll come get you in the
0: morning yeah um okay so walter then goes and makes a sandwich brings it down to crazy eight he collapses yep. and um you know he he gets back up, and you know he's he's cleans up a little bit, and he comes down. And he's you know made another sandwich. He's starting to have, he's trying to connect yep. to Crazy Eight as you know a human being. Because and even after his, looking at what's in his pro
1: for killing Crazy yeah. Eight list, he still doesn't want to do this. He doesn't want to be a killer. He doesn't and, want to be a murderer. You know the the conversation that they have, I thought was very interesting, especially as Crazy Eight who clearly has made some bad choices in his life. <laughs> yeah. Is trying to tell Walter this life is not for you. Get out of it while you still can. And I can almost even hear in his voice the wish that he could get out. Like that mm. he were not so far mm. down in that there was still a way out for him and maybe I can help you get out, you know, before it's too late for you. Yeah. Unfortunately, in the process Crazy 8 made a terrible
0: terrible decision. One that dooms him. (laughs) Did he make a terrible decision? Because I've been thinking about this. Okay. I'm Crazy 8. I'm sitting down there in that basement. I'm locked to the pole. And I walk through everything that Crazy 8 does. And I can't see me doing anything different. (laughs) Like if the guy collapses there and I've now got access to some weapon... Sure. You're darn well better believe I'm going to take it. What, with the limited information that Crazy 8 had available to him, it was a good decision. But we, uh, the viewers, with the omniscient sure. view that we The have, omniscient view, yes. But as Crazy 8, no, it I absolutely do everything that he does. Keep him talking. Keep trying to connect with him and say, hey, don't do this. I, I'm totally going to be, you know, uh, okay with you. The mistake I think that Crazy 8 makes is once Walter comes down and says, you know, cause he figures out the missing piece of, mm-hmm. of plate. Um, he says, are you going to stab me with this when I let you go?
1: And he reacts by trying to stab him.
0: Yes. That was wrong. That he should have said, you know what? I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't think I, that you were going to let me go. Here's the piece of pottery. And see, that yeah. that's the only difference I would have made okay. in, in any of that is I would have said, Oh, okay, you really were gonna let me go. Here, here's the piece of pottery now. So a little bit in defense I, of that action. I'm not sure action. it would have saved him, but I that's what I would have I, that's what I would have tried to do.
1: A little bit in defense of that action though. I don't know that he stopped and rationally thought through it. He was, Oh crap, I'm caught, I have to use it while I still have access to it. It yeah. was an emotional yeah. immediate
0: response.
1: And at that point it was too late. There was no <laughs> nothing left to do.
0: Yeah. But and choke him out. It, it was it was so sad to watch Walter as he's he's the tears are coming down his face as he suddenly realizes, okay, yep, I am now a murderer. Yeah. I am going to have to, to do this. And he holds on for dear life. <laughs> I I'm not sure why he decides to put his leg up against the pole to can to continue to brace himself. So here's I, I don't know, but whatever. here's the right way to handle that situation he for does. future
1: reference. The guy is swinging behind him with the the piece of glass or piece of plate. Yeah, you grab that arm. Yeah, yeah. You turn around so you've got his arm over your shoulder and the bike lock over the other shoulder, and you just lean.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you right there. Yeah, that that would totally do it. Um, okay, he goes home
1: walks in and she's, she's obviously distraught and he just says, "Skyler, there's something I have to tell you.
0: Yeah. Now, the the scene with Hank, uh, where they're out at the, you know, where Crazy 8's car is at and they, oh yeah, you know, Why is Hank only wearing the one glove? <laughs> he puts one glove on and then he starts rummaging around the car with both hands. Yeah. That didn't make any sense to me. I actually thought...
1: Like, I look at that and I go, that is probably... More accurate than an episode of CSI where everyone's, you know, <laughs> yeah. footies and, and <laughs> right. gl- both gloves and, like, uh, you know, a mask. <laughs> it, it probably is more realistic
0: that they put on the one glove and just are kind of haphazard about it. Um, we come to find out Crazy Eight was a snitch for them. Yeah. Uh, he's like, yeah, I guess we lost our, our snitch. I don't know what's, what's happened to him. We close out with, uh, Walter and that lady having that conversation and she's like, "Oh man, we're missing this little bit here. I wonder what that is." And she's like, "Maybe it's the soul." And Walter's like, Pfft, "Soul? <laughs> no. There's nothing but chemistry here." And that just goes to what Walter is and loves so much. It is chemistry. Sure. He loves chemistry. It is him um, and that I don't want to say that's all that matters to him but it is one of the driving forces in his life is that chemistry because if you remember I mean marry that up with the what we had in the in the previous episodes which is we are going to make a chemically pure product right. that is superior to everybody else because he, he wants the chemistry to be pure he doesn't want some crap muddy you know, piece of, of molecular goop. He wants the pureness of it. Anyway. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, any other comments uh, for you? That's it for me. Let's, uh, let's go over to, uh, to Brainy. He says, uh, I mean, who doesn't compose murder debate list while on the the toilet, but Walt should have written on the TP. Then he can flush the evidence. (laughs) This episode is full of ridiculous situations. The whole White family, painting as Marie watches. Skylar's continually misguided witch hunt. Walt Jr. and his visit to Jesse's crack whore motel. And of course there's Walt and his fun adventures in shiv making with everybody's favorite wheezing drug dealer Crazy (laughs) 8. Looking back, it is amazing to consider how much Vince Gilligan crammed into this episode. And, by the way, dudes, I humbly have a suggestion for the podcast. Although I mention it often, I really think you dudes should just note who wrote the episode we are covering in the intro. Okay. Uh, I know it's a lot of work to look at the words on the screen that come at the beginning before (laughs) the director's credits, but it perhaps... But it's perhaps the most important element to an episode, especially since we have such a prolific writer as Vince Gilligan, who created the show and wrote every episode so far. It is interesting to link the stories together here, even more so comparing Walt to Skyler. But of course, comparing any character to Walter Jr. would be unfair, because they are all stink butts compared to him. It's like comparing French Stewart to any comedic actor ever. (laughs) Of course, anybody else in the universe would seem hilarious against French. But suffice it that this episode is teeming with crazy people stories. TV 7... Mystery 7? Music 7? He just wrote M. Uh, uh, (laughs) Music? I don't know. Meth! Meth! Meth 7! 7! Only a seven? <laughs> I guess not. I guess we didn't get enough meth. Uh, okay, Joey, uh, what do you give this uh, uh, show? You know, I, I would give it a seven
1: uh, if you didn't include the scene where he choked out Crazy Eight. For me, that pushed it up a full point to an eight.
0: I, I agree. It, it, this is an eight. This is very, very solidly written. Um, I would have liked to have seen them you know, gag in the masks, as I mentioned before. But... Um, it's uncomfortable in so many different scenes it's awkward I don't want to say I'm docking it because of the the you know the crack whore scene although that was a little discouraging to have to watch (laughs) Uh, because all of a sudden it's like boom right there but you weren't bothered by the used condom laying on the ground Uh, (laughs) no (laughs) unfortunately no I wasn't Um, yeah uh, an eight Moving on to our next episode, Cancer Man. The DEA begins an operation to shut down the new meth operation, which
1: they have not yet identified as Jesse and Walter. Walter reveals his cancer to their extended family and begins to visit with oncology specialists.
0: I see you didn't manage to figure out who the writer was. Brainy just asked (laughs) you to do that. But I I didn't... uh... We'll start that next week. Next <laughs>
1: podcast.
0: <laughs> Let me be clear. Let's be more honest with ourselves. Uh, yeah. So, so I love this scene. Yeah. The, the juxtaposition
1: here, they're like, uh-huh. oh, let's call him the Iceman. He's making the, the best meth that we've ever seen. It's 98%. Clearly, this man is a genius. And he got
0: Walter in his tidy He's brushing his teeth Yeah. In the most goofy way imaginable with toothpaste coming down out of his mouth <laughs> the new kingpin uh new players in town by the way it was not' it was 98 99.1 okay. percent pure um which is that's awesome yeah. they made that in that little can RV yeah. amazing uh which I th- begs the question I don't think it is possible, but could you ever get 100% pure meth? <laughs> well, you couldn't what, get 100% because there's
1: always going to be trace elements of any in anything, right? Right. That's why I said that. But you could probably
0: get closer than 99.1. Yes. 99.2. <laughs> um, okay. We then see Walt is barbecuing chicken. <laughs> I thought he was disposing of Crazy 8's body at first. <laughs> No, he Benetton. would he would have used the the chemicals. I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I don't like barbecue chicken. I don't chicken that I don't like chicken that is cooked on a barbecue grill. I do not think it tastes good. I think it's dry. I think it tastes like you you taste the flavor of burnt. <laughs> now, granted. Maybe that's just the way my dad and mom managed to cook it when they were... Well, yeah, your mom didn't use uh, ketchup as spaghetti
1: sauce, so... <laughs> no, she didn't. You told me that once. No. No? no.
0: She okay. never used ketchup. I thought you told me that once. Uh-uh. Uh, let's see here. Okay. So they're all sitting around, and they decide to share the story of how Walter and uh, Skylar got together. as a As a kid, that age... I definitely wouldn't want to hear that story. (laughs) I would definitely not want to hear that story. As like a little kid, sure. No. I'm not even sure as an adult I would want to hear that story. Well, I don't know.
1: Like, Okay, not for you or I, but I know for my wife it's a thing that she'll ask when we meet a couple or we're talking to her. So how did you guys meet? Like that's a thing that people Yeah, yeah you you have to realize you and I are not
0: very good people no we're terrible people I agree I agree um okay next question how would you tell your family that you have cancer so the I'd scene. send them all an email <laughs> <laughs> oh hey um I'm gonna do such and such uh, oh by the way I've got cancer go, go back to how I told you that my grandmother was dying <laughs> that's exactly how I'd probably do it oh hey by the way I have cancer <laughs>
1: grandma's dying you know (laughs) it's all the same
0: (laughs) so the scene is walter is you know they're telling about something and all of a sudden skylar starts crying and it's just unconsolable and she they're like what's wrong ask him that seems like the worst way you could do it like right in front of your kid
1: well, look, here's like, the thing.
0: okay, yeah, all right, fine. I guess I need to tell you all this. I've got cancer. No, here's the thing Walter didn't have to tell them. He totally
1: could have said, you know, Skylar and I are going through some stuff right now. We need privacy. And get up and leave the table and go t- check on your wife.
0: Yeah. You do not have to do it that way. How would you tell your kids you have cancer? <laughs> uh huh. It's not, gonna it's not going to be an email. It's not going to be
1: an email. I know you're not going to. I don't know an email. that I'd tell them. Until until it, like
0: really what, once I started chemo or something, really, I am surprised I don't think I that you would hide the truth from your children. You would tell them in the concentration camp, "Oh, this is a terrible place to be, kids, and you have to stay hidden." And and you you wouldn't hide that fact from them, but you'd hide cancer from them. Up until the point that it began to affect their lives, I wouldn't necessarily
1: tell them about it. You are a terrible person.
0: You are an (laughs) awful, awful person. You looked for opportunities to tell your kids Santa Claus wasn't real as soon as you possibly could. No, no, no.
1: That's not true.
0: (laughs) Yes, you did. Misrepresentation (laughs) of the situation.
1: (laughs) When they asked me...
0: That was the rule. If they asked me But you were waiting for that to happen as quickly as you could. And had it not been for your blessed wife, who was preventing that from happening, you would have told them immediately. I would
1: have. I would have.
0: But yet, no, I don't want to tell them it, I've got cancer. It's, it's, I don't it, want them to face the realities no, of life. No, that's not the thing. That's yeah. not it Oh, at all. it so is. It is no. double standard that you no, are on. No, it's not a double standard.
1: How <laughs> yes. dare you, sir? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> to me, there's a big difference between a lie of commission and a lie of omission. <laughs> I consider them very different things. <laughs> to sure, only the they part are of the story you you don't necessarily offer the inf- cuz well, here here's the thing you get cancer you go get some chemo you get you go into remission and it never comes back why hey, did the kids ever hey, have to know hey
0: daddy that weight loss program you're on is fantastic and i love this new look this bald look of yours <laughs> uh, the, the ashen colored face that you have now is not so great why are you what's going on
1: <laughs> see if my daughter asks that question i would answer i oh cancer. by the way honey i have cancer yes <laughs> but I would not sit them down until it was actually impacting their lives. I would say, you know what? Maybe we can get through this. And they never even have to know what happened. And that would be
0: okay. Because uh, they would no worry about a bunch of stuff that they can't do anything about anyway. I absolutely would tell my children as soon as I found out. I, I would do it in a respectable manner. Help them understand this is life. This is what happens in life. You know what? People die sometimes. And that's okay. It's not anything to be afraid of. This is a, a disease. This is an illness that I have. And here's how it's going to impact us. I agree with I absolutely you said would said about tell them the that. presentation style. Uh, okay, good. But I don't think you would have had a problem doing a present. I think you would have done that. I, I, I hope that didn't come across in any way. But telling them up front... And, and helping them be a part of the situation is a great way to help the kids feel a part of the family and that they're involved in something. Okay. I see your point. I go back to... I'm going to have cancer in my life. I know I am. <laughs> I've got a sister who has had a brain tumor. My dad has had colon cancer, cancer of the bladder, and some other minor cancer. I've got aunts who have had breast cancer. I. I'm gonna have cancer. It's just gonna happen. You're at risk. It's gonna happen. Now, so, sorry. Go ahead.
1: No. So, if you do, you remember back when they were first trying to figure out what was going on with me with my yeah. blood condition and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that the doctor speculated on was, well, it might be cancer. First of all, I don't think a doctor, I think any doctor that ever says it might be cancer should have his medical license taken away. It's like the most ridiculous thing to tell someone in the world. But I, didn't- I never told
0: my wife and kids about that. I right. told you. Right. And I told my mom. And I think you're right not to do that until it's actually properly dia- diagnosed. And, and I'm, and I'm and just definitively extending stated. that out until treatment starts and it actually begins to
1: impact someone's life. For me, it's the same principle extended out until such a point as it actually is having an impact on their day-to-day life. You're still a terrible person. Not Not denying
0: that. Absolutely terrible. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Where do we leave off here? Okay. Um, Oh. Quote. Oh, we're going to get you the best doctors. And I kind of have a problem with that because it's not really the best doctors. I want to find you the best specialist. I think specialize in the thing that you're 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 gonna get to. Well they did say oncologists right before that. Yeah. Yes. But the idea is, oh, I'm gonna get you the best possible doctor. Doctors are all doctors are really pretty good. Some of them are jerks. Some (laughs) of them genuinely might be smarter than others, but those become specialists in certain things. So it's not as though you're going to continue to go to your GP, GP, you know, to, oh, I've got cancer. Can you help me through this? No, you're going to go to a specialist and it's just, it's a stupid thing, but it always bugs me when they say, let's find the best doctor. It's like, no, find the best specialist who's going to be the one to deal with your, your specific issue. I see. Sorry. I agree. It's a stupid thing. Like the implied
1: statement is a doctor who is a specialist in this field.
0: <laughs> well, I, I'm going to already assume that he's a doctor. Just give me a specialist. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Quote I'll always take care of your family. <laughs> uh, this is Hank talking to Walt. Just shows, like, Hank is just so dumb. How did he become a cop? That
1: man is so dumb. Why? Why do you say that? <laughs> but, but just, it, I mean, he he's, he's he portrays himself. The character is portrayed very much as having a low IQ. But I would also say that he has what we, what I've started calling because of the TV show Scorpion a low EQ, an emotional quotient. That is completely the wrong thing to say to this man when his wife is sitting there going we're gonna turn this around we're gonna fight this and you turn to him and go oh and by the way i'll always take care of your family buddy
0: (laughs) Uh, i'm gonna disagree with you on this one just uh because i feel like that's the pragmatic thing to say it could go south you may not survive which walter even stated sure hey i could still die from this this is you know i this may not be perfect and so to have Hank come through and say, "You know what? I'm going to look out for you. I'm going to take care of your family." I would think would be a load off the of mind to say, "It's I'm glad there will be some sort of backup here. It may not be perfect, it may not even be what I want, but someone's willing to step up to that particular plate." The reason I even bothered to write this quote down though is because of the ire that it causes Walt. He doesn't want anyone taking care of his family. Yeah, He is going to take care of his family. And that's why he's made the terrible decision that he has made. And so it galls him to have anybody come in and supplant him. Usurp his power and authority over his family. No, how dare you say that? I'm going to take care of my family. I'm going to make sure everything is Okay. But like he always does, Walt swallows it and just
1: kind of nods. And
0: well, he's got to keep up the appearances yeah. for 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 sure. Um, <laughs> can we talk about meeting Skinny Pete and Combo? Is that who these guys are? That is who these guys okay. are. Okay. We'll meet them again, which is why I know their names. Okay. Uh, so the big one. Is combo? I figured as much. Well, it could go either way. <laughs> sure, Ironically, right. you know, you call Tiny the the biggest guy in the room. Okay, um, Skinny Pete and Combo—they're not related. They are friends, and they're friends of uh, of uh, Jesse. Uh, Jesse, thank you. Um, I really, really <laughs> like Skinny Pete. Really, I liked
1: Combo, but Skinny Pete got on my nerves, and I'll tell you why. He reminds me of Jay from Silent Bob and Jay. <laughs> okay, you don't like that type of that just, character, then. Just okay, that, the way, like body language and tone of speaking and things like that, like completely disengaged with life itself at a fundamental level. And that just upsets me. It just gets me gets me riled up. Can't even stand to watch it on a TV screen. <laughs>
0: Um, okay, makes Fair my skin crawl. Fair enough. I, I want to be clear. I like both of them. Okay. I'm not choosing one over the other, really. But I like those characters, and they they kind of push Jesse into smoking uh, some meth because Jesse didn't. He wanted to stay with him. He's like, I guys, he's this he's caused he's, me some real yeah. trouble here. I want to stay away from this, but my need for not being alone outranks my need for not getting high. And so they get high and that stuff is really potent and he ends up paranoid Yeah. and he sees these people ride up on <laughs> motorcycles and they're carrying a machete and then a hand grenade and they start pounding on his door and he freaks out. He goes out the, house, the back yeah. of the house and then we see the next hand goes up and puts up a nice tract about Jesus, taped to the door, and these nice boys with white shirts and black tags walk <laughs> yep. back to their bicycles and get on and, and, and roll away. Well, that's funny. And I thought, yay, the Mormons have made it in. And I I thought it was, like, I loved the whole scene altogether, uh, but the, it, it was just great. I loved it.
1: I, I, I like the uh, exchange between Jesse and Combo. Combo's like, what? Happened to your house, man? And Jesse's like, I think the house is just settling. Carlos <laughs> has <laughs> this look of like, what?
0: He's like, oh yeah, man. They're both they're all idiots. They have no idea and about real name? life. Skinny, skinny Pete, skinny Pete.
1: I thought it was that, and I thought, no, I'm just thinking of you. <laughs> but uh, no, he says, well, my pops can like hook you up. He's like a contractor or something.
0: This <laughs> doesn't even know what
1: his dad does. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're the they're the lovable meth heads. Uh, th- that's for sure. Is that a thing? Like the lovable meth heads now? Or... As far as I'm concerned, okay. sure. I mean, if you're gonna have meth heads, let it be those guys. Um. Okay. Uh... When uh,
1: when when Jesse's having his paranoid freak out and he's peeking through the blinds. Yeah. It reminded me of my favorite picture of you, which I think is your Facebook profile.
0: <laughs> it was, yeah, where you're peeking through your blinds. I was like, that
1: just looks exactly like that picture of Pete.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we see the cost of healthcare. The uh, it, come to find out, in order to go and see this specialist, just to go and see him, five thousand dollars. Yeah. And Walter says, Ah, you know what? I'll I'll take care of that. I'll I'll dip into my pension. I'll will this is where we'll we'll get this money from. Um and it's it's quite the pension plan he's got. <laughs> yeah. It's expensive, that's for sure. Um so we now we cut back over to Jesse and he goes home to his family because he clearly can't deal with things and so that's his fallback. Yeah. We meet his family, a yeah. nice, rich, white American family. And he, they're perfect mother and dad are very doting over their child. Their child is very bright and brilliant. Um, very astute kind of kid. And in walks Jesse, the the, the dope pet <laughs> who who can't manage to put his life together. Um, and so it makes you kind of wonder what do you do with the junkie family member? How do you deal with them? Because they're like, oh... Not this time. We're not going to let him do this to us again. It, and, you know, of course, the mother's like, no, he, it's okay. He's, it, this time it'll be different. I don't have an answer for this. I've never been through this, never had to deal with this. But what would you do? I, I don't think anyone who member? has
1: been through it has an answer for it, Pete, honestly. At least speaking for my own family.
0: All, all you can really say is, this is what we did. Right. And, you know, it was and, and I can't varying it was degrees of success. Successful at all. Right.
1: <laughs> um, so in, in our case, you know, it's it was an interesting aspect of my trip up to see my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked a little bit about how I had not known how my family had this, you know, generational problem with connecting to each their siblings and their parents. Right. But as they started telling stories about each other and their childhood and things like that, I, at a couple different instances, shared some stories about my brother, Ben, mm-hmm. and I when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. And on the way home, my dad said, Joey, I had no idea your brother did that stuff to you. Why didn't you ever tell us? I mean, he the man straight up tortured me. The kid straight up tortured yeah. me. Uh, I remember you know, some of the stories that I shared with my dad are him waking me up with a baseball bat swing to my bed. And if I was still in bed and got hit by the bat, that was my fault because I was still in the bed Uh, to the point that I still can't sleep very well through. If somebody jiggles a door handle, I wake up. Mm. Um, The, the time that he broke a light bulb and scattered the glass on my bed and then made my bed so that when I got in it that night, I got shards of glass all over my backside. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and my dad said, oh, "I had no idea that you lived through any of that. Why? Why didn't you tell us?" I said, "Dad, I was terrified for my life. He had me convinced that he would straight up kill me if I told anyone. Mm-hmm. And you guys weren't, weren't going to believe me anyway because you liked Ben better than you liked me. My dad still likes Ben better mm-hmm. than he likes me. And, and so, you know, I I, I mention all that just as a preface to say, you know, there definitely was in my family a kid that was." Pretty screwed up. Yeah. And the most that we have been able to figure out what to do is to say, when you're trying to do the right thing, we will try to reach out and make you part of our family. But when it's clear that you're on that downward spiral path yet again, we're going to withdraw because at some point you're just pulling us down with you. Yeah. And yeah. I have a hard enough time staying above water myself. <clears throat> right. I can't keep you afloat. If
0: I'm going to stay alive. Yeah. Which is why I will never want to get a pet. I can barely take care of myself. I don't need some other dependent. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. I mean, we jokingly, you know, with the pet thing, but I, I really don't. I, I, I'm, I'm enough. Um, what we, what we then begin to see though is uh, by the way, we'll see this many more times as we go throughout okay. the series, because you're, we're going to meet, I mean, we're dealing with the subject of drugs we're going to meet people who are drug addicts and we're going to see their families from time to time. Um, so this is not the last time we'll we'll delve into this subject. We find out a little bit more about Jesse's background. You know, he, he goes digging in he's looking through his chest of, of old stuff and he, he comes across old drawings that he did. Come to find out he's actually a pretty, pretty decent counted, artist. Yeah. 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 Um, we see the, in the high school his one of the tests that he took uh in and, walter's class in walter's class and it says hey you, you're not even trying you're, you're not, not even ridiculous apply yourself
1: yeah i remember being in school and having a teacher level that accusation at me and she was right first of all <laughs> and it was because there there was this point in my so i started out early in life i started out very studious, applied myself very hard at school, and I got to a point in my life where all the other nonsense that was going on in my life became way more important than any kind of future I was building, any hope for a future. I just couldn't even see my way through the end of the day, let alone, you know, graduating high school and things like that. Right, uh-huh. And emotionally speaking, I logically I realize this is pure nonsense, but emotionally speaking, I'm still angry at that person. For having the gall to point out to me the mistake that I was making in my life. Right. I don't don't know what Jesse is feeling in that scene. We don't get a lot. We get kind of a sad expression maybe. We don't get a lot of focus on interaction with what he's feeling. But it did call my mind back to that. And I was like, you know what? If I saw that teacher on the street tomorrow, I would still be like, I hate you. You're such a terrible person. Yeah. How dare you tell me that I wasn't applying myself when you were absolutely 100% correct? <laughs> Where do you get the call? <laughs> Just, it's a weird thing that emotionally part of me is still trapped in that dark right. mindset. Right. Even though I, you know, I'm know i way past it. I you know, My life is significantly improved. Yeah. There's still that emotional tie to that moment. And I still harbor ill, Ill feelings towards that person. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, let's see here. Walter gets his payday. Yeah. Um, that's when Jesse shows up with the wad of money Big and says, "Big chunk of cash. Hey, I I managed to sell the rest of this. Here's 4,000 bucks." Um, and that's wow. That's that'll come in handy. Yeah. Uh, a I think. The second opinion is confirmed. He does have the cancer. Um, and then a joint is found as the cleaner is going through the the nice suburban home, and they blame Jesse. They're like, I, how dare you bring this into your into our house? You're not welcome here anymore. And he- I, I remember the mom's words I thought that that probably stung the most, at least it would have for me, where she says,
1: time and again, we bring you in and you tell us, oh, I've changed. you know, it's all gonna be different this time, and then you do it again. And it makes us feel like idiots or mm-hmm. makes us feel like fools. I can't remember exactly how she phrased it, but I thought that right there would be the most stinging of the things that happened. Being kicked out of the house yet again, speaking for myself, would not yeah. have been that. T- it would be like, oh, well, there, you go. there it is again. This is exactly how it goes every time you interact with these people. But having the mom turn that comment on you
0: yeah. would have been very, very hurtful. Makes sense from your perspective. Yeah. Um, the, uh, um, one of the things that is, uh, so galling, I think, is the fact that they're like, you know, hey, we're trying to, you know, create a good environment for our, the youngest son, mm-hmm. you know, don't ruin him. And that's what you're doing here. And he takes the blame and we come to find out it's it, the it was the younger kids joint. And uh, you know Jesse, you know crumbles it up when he asks him back for it. And He's like, nah, it was skunk weed anyway. You don't, you don't even <laughs> really want it. Which, which I thought the best follow up would have been. Well, then can you hook me up with some of the good stuff? <laughs> <laughs> uh, they they go through some of the uh, cancer treatment options, and I liked the fact that that Walt very real way says, you know what? One of the options is to not do it. Yeah. Like this is going to be like I'm going to put you in a massive financial bind. Like I'm going to die and you're going to be left with this. Um and it they it has to be naive of them to not realize that this is a death sentence for him. Sure. He might get a couple of, of years back from his life by going through the treatments and he might be able to go into remission, but you're playing the odds yeah. at that point. And and nowhere you- did we hear them say you're gonna become cured and you'll be able to live a long and healthy yeah. life. That that doesn't it's not an option. And they don't talk a lot about what his quality of life will be either. Right. Right. Yeah, I read something recently. I haven't had a chance to really corroborate it with anything, but you know, talking about how chemo um, really isn't all that useful. <laughs> uh, in in some uh, some blind studies, it was determined as like it, no, it, it didn't like really chance. make anything better or worse. It prolonged, you know, allowed you, but it, it's terrible to be on. It's yeah. poison that's what we're doing to our bodies is we're trying to poison it just enough <laughs> to kill the cancer but not kill you uh i mean there's a reason it it's got a, a you know the the radiation and the and the the stuff that has the symbols on it to indicate to handle this with care what? this is terrible terrible stuff for for human beings um the it's harsh for the family to hear what if i just don't do the treatment but it it is a very i think rational way of looking at it look at all of your options the problem is the fact that they did it right in front of their son whose response is you know what just give up already just go and die He's upset because he doesn't want his dad to go. Sure, he wants his dad to go through the treatment because he loves his dad and well, let's wants the, honest, his dad to be honest. This kid has gotten around. a pretty crap deal out of life already. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Um, I think it is a rational argument and conversation to have to weigh all of the options and say, okay, we're going to have to deal with all of these terrible side effects from from the chemo. Is that going to be worth the money, the pain, the all the bad stuff that comes with it, for me living just a little bit longer, mm-hmm. rather than me, you know, maybe getting some other medication that will allow me to live with it, manage the pain, and I won't have to go through as much. What about euthanasia? And, and I'll definitely die. Uh, when we get to a certain point, damn. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, we've, we've, you and I have definitely had this conversation before and I don't like the idea of, of suicide, of, of just saying, you know what? I give up. I'm done. I, I quit because I don't like that, that quitter mentality. I think that there is something to be gained by both the person going through it and the people who are there with him. Um, there is something to be gained even in in the pain that they go through. Okay. There is something that in life you can learn and will enrich you and them as long as you have a good attitude around it. I think there is value to it. But at a certain point diminishing marginal utilities got to kick in and you have to be able to say okay, it's it's not worth it anymore and and maybe assisted suicide is okay.
1: You know, that's the do thing you ever taught me.
0: Diminishing marginal utility? Yep. Yeah.
1: It's <laughs> a term I'd never heard <laughs> before.
0: <laughs> that's where, you know, the, the returns that you get out, you know, aren't as much as the losses that you're taking. Um, just for anybody else who's listening. The, 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 the trouble is if you legalize it, you know, Who's to say you actually did give permission to have yourself killed, or you know, if someone just says, "Oh, you know what? It's really too hard right now," and when it's really not that hard, um, it, it's dicey territory. It's it's a tough debate that society needs to have with itself. Are we comfortable with the idea of of people doing that? Um, I don't know. Your your thoughts of you know hey, I don't want my family to have to deal with and manage and deal with all of the, the ugliness that comes from this. I just want to make it all go away for them. I get that. I understand that. Um, Here's the reason I brought it up. I don't know. My opinion has changed. Really? On this. Um,
1: I, don't, I can't put my finger on when or why necessarily, but I've come in the past... Few years since the last time we had this discussion, probably, yeah. I've, I've come around to a, a different mode of thinking, which is I don't want to give up whatever moments of being there in my kids' life are left. I don't care mm. how few they are, mm. and I don't care what the quality of them is. They are there, and they are so rare and so precious and so few. I don't even want to give them up, even if it means all the things that I've talked about before, I'm like, look, look, this is just negative. Like, right, you know, they're miserable. You're miserable. Everybody's miserable. But I I guess what I would say is I've become selfish for my children's time. Yeah, yeah. I I want, and part of it is seeing my kids grow up and and seeing them, you know, the apron strings have been cut by both kids. They have their own identities now. I am not part of much of their lives anymore. There are, there's, there's these whole... Lives that go on without me having any idea what they're going through. They don't, you know, you know how kids are. They don't yeah. want to come home and tell dad and mom about their day. It's just not something that's fun to them. They have this whole life going on, and I think back now to the, you know, when when every day it was playtime and it was, you know, hey, dad's home. Let's let's go have fun. Let's go do something. You know, all that just that shift over the years, has, I think has probably been a strong factor in this shift in me to say. No, I want whatever, not only like the, the experience of being part of their lives, but anything I could teach them or give them to make their lives a little bit better. Are there still any nuggets of wisdom left in me that I have not successfully passed down to them that maybe hanging on for one more day, I can help them get through that next emotional bump in the road to say, Hey, you're strong. And if you can get through this, I'm here for you. And, and it's a, it's a 180. 180 degree yeah. change from where I was a couple of years ago. Yeah, and it was only as we I watched this episode last night that I realized this about myself. I was like, Wow, I, I now I would hang on, I would stick it out, I would fight through whatever it was as long as I could possibly take it.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I've kind of changed a little bit my tune as well. Because I was a pretty much hardliner of no, don't, don't quit, don't, 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 don't quit. Uh, but I I understand that there is a point at which uh, okay we're done there there's really nothing more the body is still just hanging on for whatever reason uh, but it's time to let it go um, and I I think that that is that needs to be a consideration for people I feel like it does interesting okay we've changed you and I Joey we've we've grown
1: more like each other <laughs>
0: <laughs> we both win I guess <laughs> I both I guess we both won that argument um, <laughs> so it ends with Walter getting some vengeance on Ken <laughs> Ken wins Ken wins <laughs> he gets cut off by this guy in in, in the uh, the parking lot and um, eh, I mean a guy's kind of an a-hole yeah kind of clearly. a jerk and Walter says, you know what? I'm taking this into my own hands. Is that a real thing? Would that car really blow up from that? I don't know. But if there's one guy who would know... It'd it's, be Walter. A, it's Walter. It's <laughs> Walter. It'd be some sort of chemist who'd be like, yeah, okay, I, I understand the electrical nature of things and... The chemical you know, what reaction or result? I don't know. I, I don't know if there is enough of... Because there wasn't a massive fireball, like the entire car didn't blow up, like right. a Michael I, I, Bay I get the sense movie. Sense that it was a ba- the battery
1: that was, mm-hmm. but
0: I don't know what it would have exploded, yeah. like what what would have exploded on it. I don't know. Okay.
1: I, well, it made me wonder.
0: There are plenty of vehicles near gas stations uh, that <laughs> get that are left unattended. We can try it. I wonder if the MythBusters have covered it. <laughs> I don't know. I stopped watching MythBusters. I think we talked about this yeah. uh, the other day. Um, okay, I don't have anything else. Nothing for me. Nothing for oh, me. Oh wait, no, one one other thing. Okay. Uh, at
1: some point in the episode, it was towards the end somewhere, uh Walter ad- dresses
0: his wound in his leg yeah. using uh, super glue. Yep. It's a viable tool. Field suture. Yep. Right right absolutely. There. Uh, he he was doing like this. Ooh, like it hurt. So I wonder if it does, it does. sting. I've used it that way before. Yeah. People tell, tell me I'm crazy for it.
1: Now I can just say, no. well, go watch Breaking Bad. It worked fine for Walter White. <laughs>
0: yes. <laughs> yes. That is, you should absolutely align yourself with Walter White as much as you possibly can. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's go to uh, Brainy's uh, email. He says, uh, The writer, Vince Gilligan. I love this episode. The buffoonery that the DEA effortlessly flood New Mexico with. The absurdly funny scene where Skylar cancer interrogates uh, Walt as if it were an episode of intervention. And most awesomely, Jesse's family. The parallel that Vince Gilligan draws between Skylar's ignorance The DEA's total lack of awareness slash intelligence, and the cluelessness of Jesse's parents, all threaded together, is brilliant. I love to consider the futility of a war on drugs with the suburban obliviousness we see at the Pinkmans. Both examples are of a group who is handling a problem horribly by failing to recognize the true source or the true cause of the issue. Awesome writing, Vince Gilligan. And finally, the whole metaphor is knocked out of the park with Skylar and her interrogation of Walter at the dinner party. TV 10, Meth 8. <laughs> See you dudes in the springtime, Ambassador Brainy Smurf. Did he just put M again?
1: Or did he actually put Meth this he time? He put M. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you for that. I think we will manage to get one in before the springtime, though. <laughs> Smart. Well, bollock. hold on, Pete. <laughs> Don't run crazy making promises. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, what's your rating for this one? Uh, I'm gonna only give this a seven. It is a really good episode. It's fun in a lot of different ways, uh, but it's a little more low key. It's kind of coming down off of you know the the punches in the face that is uh, Emilio Stew. Um, it I it's just not. There's not a lot of connection for me in in some ways because of the you know Jesse and his family, but it's all wonderfully written. Seriously enjoyed the episode. Just would only give it a seven.
1: I actually gave this one an eight as well. Uh, and part of the part of what factored into that for me is that I really only had just a few notes because I kept getting so absorbed in right, the episode itself right. that I would forget to stop and take a note. And that's, that's high praise for me. I mean, I, it doesn't happen often that I suspend disbelief enough to forget, oh, I'm supposed to be taking notes on this. Yeah, um, I think it's probably only the fourth or fifth episode of anything that's caused that for me. I think a big part of it is probably the emotional connection I have to Jesse's family and, mm-hmm. and that experience that they're going through that probably played a, a large factor for me. And also the self-introspection that I did to realize I've 180'd on this issue of you know, do I try to live through cancer? So for me, it gets an eight. Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We hope that you've been inspired to take a deeper look at your entertainment choices and discuss it with friends, family, or just a couple of complete strangers you only know from the internet. As always, we invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at com. You can tweet Pete at Trek West 5, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-508-4242. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And we thank you for listening.